Hey everybody, on today's podcast, we are joined by Pastor Al Bazayan from the Covenant Reformed Church in Toronto. Pastor Al was formerly a pastor in St. Catharines, and yeah, he's a real educated guy, a great conversationalist, and we had some open, honest dialogue, really some real talk on today's episode. Mainly, we talked about the topic of addiction uh, with his story as a recovered alcoholic, uh, his advice for how to approach and deal with addiction, and then finally how the church can help addicts, people who are addicted to pornography, alcohol, narcotics, anything really. It was a fantastic episode. We really enjoyed talking to Pastor Al. He's a great guy. He has a lot of good things to say. And uh, without further ado, enjoy the episode. Pastor Al, welcome to Real Talk. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it is yeah, awesome to have you here. Yeah. We're very excited to talk to you today about addiction and uh, all these other surrounding topics around the word addiction and all the issues around that. So yeah, good. maybe uh, first off, let's just start with uh, who you are, where you're at in life right now, what are you doing and, and what's your story? We'll go from there. Yeah. So I'm Pastor Al Bazin. I'm, I'm presently uh, the pastor in uh, Rexdale. Okay. So uh, very our, our church is, is a short walk away from where your last guest, Tim Challies, oh, goes yeah. to church. And um, so, yeah, it's been a real blessing for me, actually, um, <clears throat> at this I wish I was younger like you guys, because I find there's so much I'm learning new. Yeah. Like I just learned about Grava this week. What's that? Ah, see, yeah, so I'm not even up on you guys. So um, yeah. the, the Jamaicans are starting to take over parts of the town and um, they're selling uh, different sorts of ganja wheat. Oh yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's the new delivery. So it's it's just a, a leaf that you, you uh, smoke your, your weed in. It's okay. super high nicotine and super mellow smoke, oh. apparently. Huh. So there you wow. go. Yeah. So that's taken over. Yeah. yeah. You know, all these, these little, uh, it's kind of, it's, it's interesting in Rex story right? Because they talk about, and I'll talk to my neighbors, right? Yeah, what yeah, do you yeah. think about this legalized pot? So why would I pay? The prices are too high. I'm not paying taxes on it. And it's three times stronger on the street, at least. So yeah. there you go. They're not going to touch it. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. That's yeah. So we're learning lots, but no, God has been good. We're, um, we have 17 birth nations in the church. Uh, the, the core is still mostly, um, um, Canadian Dutch. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but we're pushing 30% now that that's not. And um, yeah, so that's been for me a, a real new lease on life. We're just over three years there. Uh, 17 years before that in, in Niagara, um, in St. Catharines, uh, in my home congregation. And, and that's where I had, uh, you know, a lot of my trouble. So we'll, we'll talk about that, I guess, in, in a minute. But I, I grew up there, Christian school, okay. yeah. uh, Christian Reformed, um, was an elder at 27 as a single man. Um, was part of leading the, our church out of the Christian Reformed Church at the time. Oh, we could talk about that too. Yeah, yeah. which was very interesting. Yeah. Uh, and in part too, because um, uh, at the beginning already, we were talking to uh, Canadian Reformed guys okay. from the area. Uh, at that point, it was just Lincoln, right? It's okay. been explosive, the growth in Niagara since mm -hmm. then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it uh, you know, we, we had fellowship over the word of God and, and, and what we were going to do. And, and at that point they said, start at the URC and then, and then we'll start talking. Right. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I went through uh, Christian schools and then uh, Calvin college came back to, um, I actually taught at my old high school with some of my old high school teachers who <laughs> was always feeling a nagging. Uh, it wasn't enough. I'd been a social worker. I, I worked, um, in a Christian outfit in Michigan. And we had the first juvenile sex offender program in the United States, actually in North America. So oh, I worked with sex offenders for uh, just over two years, a little longer than that. Wow. Then my visas ran out, came back uh, here 
Um, and then someone said, you know what, you should think about teaching, went back to Calvin, got my degree, taught at Beacon Christian High School, and then um, became a pastoral assistant. In the meantime, I met my wife, Sonia. Uh, we got married. And then um, a man who I, I dearly love, uh, um, I, I did his funeral uh, not about five years ago, six years ago. And uh, he stood up at the congregational meeting saying, why are we taking this man? Let's send him to seminary. It's time. And I hadn't really thought about it. How old were you? Um, 28. Okay. 28 or 29. Yeah. And then um, Heritage had just started and, and other people thought maybe I should become the principal at Heritage because I was teaching there as well. Okay. Right. Yeah. right. Um, but God moved me and I went to Mid-America Reform Seminary. Um, graduated with... Uh, Pastor Bill DeYoung. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, Bill always told me, Al, don't worry. Where there's a bill, there's a way. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we uh, we were kind of known for our jocularity, he and I. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. Got any good stories particularly? Or the the, the one, yeah, I better know. It's better not. Yes. I'll tell you this. Cornerstone, he was at Cornerstone, yeah. asked if I would become second man with him. Really? There. And then, so we did, we had quite a long talk about it with the elders. And I said, you know, at the end of the day, I said, I can see this happening, except do you guys like any work getting done? Yeah. And they yeah. said, yes. And I said, then Bill and I will not because we'll be yakking all day. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we, we didn't do that. So, uh, but yeah, there's a, a special place um, in my heart for Bill and in the work he's doing for sure. So yeah, then, then uh, I was in a little place called Balmoral. I used to blow through Bimbrook to get to Niagara. Yeah. Yeah. Different, right. uh, ways back then and i was just talking to your dad i have fond memories of binbrook because my car broke down and uh, a motorcycle gang guys oh, wow. helped me and my wife and my three little kids really totally took care of me um back then really a few frosty pops on a hot day and, and uh, my cars ran better than it normally ran wow so i said what do i owe you what kind of and, you know come on no, no we just do that and that kind of and we were a little freaked out at first right because oh, yeah. big guys and, and stuff and then i said well look you know where Balmoral was? They said, oh, yeah. And I said, this is the white church? Yeah. I said, I'm the preacher at that white church. 9.30, come to church tomorrow. I'll, I'll preach for you. How's that? <laughs> you are funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're really funny. <laughs> Hell's Angels had places to be. Yeah, they had other places to be. So, yeah. That, no, that's that, 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 it's kind of neat to be back here. Again. So, cool. that's yeah. a quick version yeah, yeah. of, of uh, my story. I, I've yeah. been able to do, um, uh, for 14 years, I taught in Ukraine for two weeks a year. So that, that, that's been a highlight of, of my ministry as taught well. The, taught the gospel there or English? Or? Actually, mostly teaching ministers okay. to teach, right? Ooh. Because there's hardly anything in, in Russian, although they're moving into Ukrainian now. So basically, after we would go there, right. then for the next month, you can be pretty sure if I'm teaching the book of Colossians, most of the Reformed churches are getting sermons on Colossians. Okay. Right after that, right? They just had no training. No, that, no infrastructure because right. yeah. of what, like communism and, and I think. Yeah, stamp, when we first came out. there, um, I went the first time with with Reverend Sickerman, Mr. Dave Backer and uh, um, Glasnost had, or Glasnost, whatever it had just happened. Uh, the, the falling of the curtain story had just happened. Yeah. And then um, so there was basically 30 to 40 years of no gospel. Right. Wow. Wow. So, um, yeah, we at the beginning with Reverend Sickerman, we taught the Heidelberg Catechism. It's mostly yep. Pentecostal ministers. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. I still have friends that I, I keep up with there. Oh, and that neat. was mostly in Kiev. Yeah. And then later on, I taught in Donetsk. And I was supposed to do the first infant baptism in, in the church in Donetsk. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Putin bombed the place. Oh, wow. So they were going to sneak me in through Poland. And then uh, my wife said, no, nah, I don't think so. And I said, okay, you better not. Maybe, maybe wise. 
Yeah, was that a URC ministry thing or what was that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. so Pastor, Pastor Mitchell Prasad, Prasad was teaching there. I went with Dennis Royal. Yeah. Um, I've been with Harry Zickville, Pastor Harry Zickville. Right. Yeah, uh, Pastor Dick Wanya. Is yeah, okay, mm-hmm. yep. cool. Yeah, so, don't, you don't hear a lot about uh, a lot of mission work. Well, I know Reverend, you mentioned sure. Reverend Sycamore, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I used to live just down the road from him in, in Vineland. Oh, okay. There. Yeah, you would drive into catechism and everything. Ooh, yeah, okay. so he's talked about, to me about that before, too. Yeah. 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 Really? So that's pretty neat. Yeah, yeah wow. That's that's cool. I You know, so much to your background. I yeah. added a whole bunch of cool things to your back of your hockey card. We'll mention Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I really appreciate you having me. And, and, uh, I'm excited. I mean, I'm still a little uptight sometimes. And I know for some, some of my family members, they wish I wouldn't talk about this all the time. And yeah. I, and I'm careful with it, but I think we need to be a little open yeah. for it. And I can speak. Right. Yeah, so yeah. It, it, it helps. Um, it's good. It's good to talk else. about it. I mean, these yeah. are yeah. real issues. You're here on real talk. So yeah, <laughs> no better place. That's absolutely. It. If yeah, you don't so mind, actually, just pull yeah. that, uh, the boom arm. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. Right there. Yeah. yeah. Right there. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, I've watched uh, one of, I guess it was on YouTube, but uh, I guess you spoke to a, a group of ministers from the URC church. In, yeah, it was in, a mission in, conference in, mission, in North mission Carolina. Conference, yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. It was in North Carolina. You were talking about that. Yeah. Um, so I guess we won't like, we don't need to elaborate on it. I guess people can go and Google your name and if they can spell it right, then they can find that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe just give like just, just a short uh, synopsis of, I guess, what, what you've been through and, and maybe start, yeah, start St. Catharines and, and kind of just work through. Okay. Here you started, you mentioned, okay, you started in the ministry, you went to seminary, graduated with Bill. Okay. So you get called to, was it St. Catharines right away? Right. Okay. So yeah, just, just work through that timeline and and how that developed. So in in this part, so we're going to talk about um, alcoholism and and, and alcoholics. So I'm I'm going to say a couple of things. So the the question always comes disease or, or, um, you know, immorality, all that, that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. Right. And, and, Normally, traditionally, uh, uh, historically, our churches normally dealt with with drunkenness as a as a moral problem. It was a spiritual problem, um, a psychological problem, and I, and I still get that. I still get people. There must have been something psychologically wrong with you, or what was wrong with you that that sort of thing. Um, the AA model, and actually, if you read the big book from AA, they would rather talk about it as a, as an allergy. And we do know now that that about eighteen percent of us process alcohol different than the rest of you normals. I, you know, we always call you guys, you normals right. or normies. But um, <laughs> so for, for instance, I, I always remember if I would sit out with you guys at your age, like it just blew my head that you're constantly going to the bathroom, right? right. You have beer and you're oh, just yeah. going to washroom. We don't, right? We, we process close to 80% of it. Oh, wow. Right. And it goes pretty much straight to the brain. The other thing is um, maybe when I was a, a younger kid, so I probably 12, 13, right? When, when you live in a Dutch home, you get a beer or whatever, yeah. right? Um, but then 14, 15, I started drinking a, a little bit more. I remember being 14 on a, on a soccer team and sitting in a pub and beers would come out and you, you'd have one. But yeah. I can hardly ever remember having one. I always had to have more. Yeah. Always, right? Hmm. And, and um, I, I'm one of the odd, a little bit odd alcoholics. Like I really like craft beer. I like good tasting beer. I like good scotch, all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. A lot of guys don't like it. Um, I can tell you at 10 years old when I had my first cigarette, I thought it was awesome. Just, just amazing. Actually talk about stupid 10 years old. Right. So I would sneak out my window. I would rip off cigarettes off my dad, go smoke out in the back in the winter. 
Oh, and then when the snow melted, it was dedicated. like a butt fart factory <laughs> out there, right? And I even lied and said, like, my sweet neighbor would almost be smoking cigarettes, dad, outside yeah. your house. So, so stupid. But yeah. I don't know. I just have a massively addictive personality. Oh, right? yeah. Um, so, yeah, 14, 15 years old, I, I was already drinking. Not 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 to excess, really. No. Um, but then 16, 17, um, you know. It's kind of weird. I don't know if it, I guess it's probably still that way that somehow you rationalize that if you go to parties with other Dutch kids from the church, it's kind of okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right? Yeah. Cause you know, well, we're not messing with the women of the world and you know, well, at least we're not smoking pot or whatever it is. I know there's more dope going on now with, because it's partly because it's legal, but um, you, you kind of rationalize it. Uh, and there was times that I was getting drunk and there was times that I was drinking too much, but most of the time it was really in control. I had a little spot in Calvin when I was at Calvin College where I, I got scared and I actually went to see somebody about it and kind of got it back under control. I would work. I would only drink on the weekends. But again, too, like I always had more than I needed. Right. You know, like like a simple thing, like I, American beer is just, it is horrible. Yeah. Like, <laughs> for, all, for us Canadians, just it really is horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So we would go across the street, buy two bottles of stout. And then you'd buy a pitcher of beer. In my own Dutch mind, it was almost a sin to not buy beer there because it was so cheap. Well, right, right, here, right? Yeah. So you dump your stout into the beer and Just then you got good beer, yeah. right? For the for the whole night. But um, I liked it. I always liked it. It was fun. Um, it's part of the cool thing of, of, by the way, being Canadian and going into Grand Rapids, Michigan, and they're from the off right? So there's a strong sense of piety there. So drinking was still kind of frowned upon. I mean, the kids drank, but you you, you didn't, you certainly didn't broadcast it. Okay. But the Canadians, that was sort of our and signature, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, right. mullets, cigarettes, toques, sure. um, and, and, and garbage clothes, because most of us didn't have very much money, yeah. and drinking beer, you know, um, and stuff like that. I remember at, at Calvin, my dad came and visited us. Yeah. And then he, he left my roommate and me. He was from Canada as well. He left us like, I don't know, eight beers he had left over in and a half a bottle of CC. And I had to go see the dean because you're not allowed to have that in your room. Right, oh, really? Right. Yeah. And then my dad gave it to me. He said, oh, yeah, you Canadians, you know. It, 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 and I'm not justifying this, but I, I want to be, I want people to start thinking about this. 80% of you guys can handle it, but about 18% of us can't. Right. And, and you know what? You get drunk once you're done. Mm. you're on the way. And so I can honestly say for me, it was about a 40 year journey, right? Well, if you're in that 18%, you get yeah. drunk once you're on the way. Right. And, and, yeah. and I, like I would go, you know, we were talking about going to Ukraine with Reverend Sikkim. I would have nothing to drink because those people there, a lot of them were recovered alcoholics. So you yeah. didn't drink around. Them. Yeah. Right. You're very careful. And we would constantly be asked, well, is drinking? Oh yeah, of course drinking is okay. That's Pentecostal and that's Baptist and we can drink and all that. Kind yeah. Of stuff. Yeah. I can even remember when uh, Sonia and I, when we had our wedding and I had to buy the wine and beer. Yeah. I went to the beer store and they said, how many guests will be at your wedding? I said, 300. And I had bought, I don't know, five or six cases of beer. He said, oh, you don't have half enough. You need at least 12 because it's a Dutch wedding. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. The yeah. Reputation. So, I know. Yeah. So um, Interesting. it's kind of tied up in the identity almost of, of Canadian and like specifically Dutch. Yeah. Dutch Canadian. Right? It's just a culture thing. Eh? And yeah. if you remember from that thing, but it, the Dutch never have a beer, right? They always have yeah. a small beer. Yeah, right. They always have a little glass you know, oh, yeah. and, and that kind of stuff. They can have a couple. Then. Yeah. Put yeah. your beer, right? Yeah, or yeah. or uh, a bottle chair or whatever. Yeah, 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 so yeah. Um, it just always was part of my life. And then, and yeah. then uh, after my sister died, uh, I, I think sometimes too, it just was a way to numb, um, choke. 
mm-hmm. stuff down. And, and, and yeah, like I said, for me, it was fun. Um, I was more fun. I, I thought um, when I when I was drinking something. Um, yeah, I, I just I just really liked it. And then um, and then when you when I went to seminary and stuff like that, there was guys who would go for a drink and have a cigarette or whatever that kind of stuff. But then I you know quit that in time. Um, but by the time I got to St. Catharines, even when I was at Balmoral, I was working all the time. Just and that's sort of probably why I wasn't drinking that much. I was working all the time, and um, you know, one of the things I've learned since then is this whole dopamine thing. And then the jury's out on the dopamine thing, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but like a simple thing, the the millennials generation, next generation, why? Part of the reason that you're on your phone so much is because if I put something on my phone and somebody answers me back, it's a trigger of dopamine, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, boom, I feel good about that, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, the whole pornography thing, I think you talked with Tim about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely, I mean, there's massive, we know that that happens. And we also know that with alcohol, um, the interesting thing with alcohol, right, is is the first part of alcohol is sugar blast. Yeah. So, you know, when you go to a wedding, everybody mm-hmm. has a drink and then they go dance. Yeah, right. Right? And then, but most of you guys are smart enough to say, ah, after two or three, I'm done. I'm tired. I got to drive home. What? But I don't. I, yeah. I keep doing that. And, and and the depressive part didn't kind of whack on me as much, right? I could drink long and and, and the tolerance was pretty high, which I should have figured out. Yeah, right. Um, then at the beginning of my drinking too, I hardly had a hangover. I never hardly had a headache. I didn't just did it. You know, yeah. you get stupid. But anyways, I get to Trinity and, and, uh, I'm I'm working way too much, right? I'm neglecting my family, um, and then and then what happens is, is you you men will do this. Apparently, m- most men will do this: is we will move to the place where we feel the best. So where are we getting accolades? Well, every time I would speak at a, at a conference, or I would teach catechism, or things went well with a sermon, or I did a good pastoral visit, mm-hmm. you're getting strokes, right? And then, and then when you go home, well, you've never been home. And then, of course, my wife's getting a little bit frustrated with me or my kids aren't listening to me because I'm not around, right? So, yeah. well, then I just, it's just easier to be in the study or deal with people um, where, where I'm getting those strokes. And then we had, we had a crisis in the church. Things went bad. Uh, some of the, it, it, it um, yeah, a, a differing, differing point of view on, on a pastoral issue. And um, we never really did get it resolved. But in, in the meantime, it, it created some harsh feelings and stuff like that. And I started getting down, right? And I figured if I just worked at it, worked harder, I could get out of it and stuff like that. And and it it wasn't working. So I was starting to drink a little more, right? I I, uh, I was starting to drink after meetings or, or um, as soon as I got home from work and I didn't have to work that night, then uh, beer turned to beer and, and scotch. And then uh, scotch I couldn't really afford anymore and scotch is hard on the stomach. So I just went to vodka. Right. Um, and that, that was starting to happen, um, more Then I had a wicked burnout. I, I, I just completely burned out, mm. but so the, the church properly took, said, you need to stop working, but I didn't replace it with anything. Okay. So I was just that, on yeah. a basically six month holiday. Well, when, I don't know how you guys are on holidays, but at three o'clock I get to have a beer. The world cup was on. That was when, when, um, Van Persie scored the flying oh. Dutch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Good um, year. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And then right after that, we had Wimbledon. Yeah. Right. Plus, then, then uh, I mean, it was just it was just an incredible time to sit and watch sports. So from when, it, but I would drink beer. Oh, yeah, right. And they'd be drinking at seven in the morning. So yeah. <laughs> right. So I, um, and it seemed fun, and it seemed in my in my own mind, I actually was starting to believe I'm I'm a nicer guy when I drink. 
mm. right? Mm. Because I just, I was choking. Everything. Uh-oh, yeah. Um, and at that point, um, I mean, every alcoholic, we would love to tell you the line we crossed, like what was the drink when I got done. But then, then what was starting to happen was I couldn't have fun without a drink. I, I was thinking about it all the time. So even when, when I got back into the ministry, like if I would be sitting, like even let's know, right? If, if I'd be sitting now and I, I, you would, I would be looking at my watch. Okay. The liquor store closes at 10 o'clock. So I really need to get out of here mm-hmm. by nine 30. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. 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 You, you think about it all the time. <laughs> I, I knew all the time how much was in the fridge. I knew all the time what was in the freezer. Is that something that developed like over time or was that something that like was kind of always there? It started it with long weekends, prevalent? actually. Because oh, yeah, I can see that. You got to plan for the stupid Because LCBO remember, yeah, right? It, they weren't open yeah. on Monday yeah. and we can't buy on Sunday because you can go get hammered, but you can't buy it on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so stupid, right? But that's how your head gets. Yeah. But true, then it started to get every day. Right. And then, and then when the worst of it w- was really happening, um, you know, seven o'clock in the morning or, you know, I, I would take a little nip just to get me through the breakfast time with my kids and, and stuff like that. So, um, I, I was starting to miss some Sundays, not preaching and I was lying. And, and then, and finally, um, you can take this for what you believe. And I hope your hearers will understand this, but I didn't have like a God talking to me experience, but there was like light shining in the room one morning, a Sunday morning, and I was sitting there and it was like, Al, you know what you had to do. Cause I'm telling you for, for four months, I was on my hands and knees on my face, laying on the ground, praying, God, you got to get me out of this. I can't get out of this. I can't stop. All of a sudden you become Pentecostal. You want a miracle? Yeah. yeah right. right? Yeah. yeah. I want some silver bullet, something that's going to get me out of this, right? God. And I, but I want it without embarrassment. I want it seamlessly and stuff like this. Um, I guess one thing to point out, I, I, I was pretty good at hiding it. I, I, I think people probably knew something was off, but exactly what it was. And a lot of times I was drinking from 10 o'clock at night till two in the morning. And I was just basically right. using it to fall asleep. Um, so, you know, I just sleep on the couch and my wife didn't necessarily smell it and that right. kind of stuff. I'd wake up in the morning a little bit. Like I said, wait, the hangovers really weren't bad. Like probably other people would get. Right. And I was still cranking the workout. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, at, at some point you're just, you, you think about it all the time. You need mm. it all the time. Praying and praying and praying and, and nothing. And then I'd help, you know, other people in the church because I'm a firm believer that most ministers won't and can't really help the alcoholic. He needs detoxing. He needs help. And I did. I brought right. guys to detox. I brought them to AA. I brought them to rehabs and stuff. like. That. I came in beside them, obviously, and prayed with them. But it never dawned on me that I needed it. Right. Right. And one of the hardest things, and I don't know why it's so hard for alcoholics to admit that they are that. Hmm. And then you get to the point, like, I... I I don't know how you guys see yourself, but could you see yourself not drinking ever? So like I even when I yeah, notice right. when I walk in here, there's beer in the house. Yeah. Right. And yeah, yeah, right. there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But is it possible for you to not, you know, right, yeah, like, yeah. like my daughter just got married and I, I didn't have a glass of wine at her wedding. Right. Now, yeah. That would have been unthinkable. Yeah. Just yeah. unthinkable. Right. So it's so part of my, that's what being a man is about. Right, you know, right. First was cigarettes. I got rid of cigarettes. Well, then it was, you know, food. And I had to, I had to get rid of that. And then it was, you know, beer and whiskey and all that kind of stuff. But, um, 
Right, that's that, interesting. That would yeah. be no, I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> to right? it, it, it's an interesting oh, thing, yeah. right? I think I could like never drink again. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't bother. But I could, I could do the same thing with coffee. So it might be this. No, yeah, no. Yeah, see, it might be a, a physiological thing as opposed to a, um, oh, I, like I, an I'm, attitude I'm, toward it thing. I'm right? convinced that that. That's, I don't particularly like the disease model in the church world because it's like I, I didn't wake up one morning and catch, you know, right. alcoholism the way I could wake up, you know, say with your mom, and then she has cancer. That That's yeah. not something because she did something no, just, wrong. Yeah. Right? So that's why that word doesn't work well, especially in reform circles, total right. depravity and all that kind of stuff. But if we believe in sin, it is very probable that our bodies, you know, and that's why I like the word allergy. I just don't really process or handle alcohol very well right and like i said you know it, it would drive like you see how your bottle if you would leave a bottle of beer like that and just say i would just drive you crazy I, it drives yeah. me crazy i gotta finish it right and uh, it's not because i'm dutch and cheap right seriously we would go how would you not drink that right that's just and it's really it defies logic it defies it's why alcoholics, when we talk to another alcoholic, it's instant. You just say, oh, yeah. But I would go to the fridge. I'm not going to have a beer. I'd pull the beer out. I'm not going to have a beer. I'd twist the cap up. I'm not going to have a beer. I'd pour it in my glass. I'm not going to have a beer. Right. And I drink the beer. Well, I'm not going to have a beer. And I know I shouldn't. Yes, that's it. So it is, there must be something that's, that's uh, physiological about it. That's something that's almost built into you, like um, a nature versus nurture kind of thing. Because yeah. I would say the same, like, I don't finish, I just said coffee, but I don't finish like, I don't know if I've ever finished a cup of coffee. Like hardly right. ever will I drink a cup of coffee to the bottom because the last sip is the worst sip of coffee. Right. So why would you do it? But if you are dependent on the coffee, is it not the same thing? Like, would you just be like, oh, I need that. Like, why would I, I can't not drink I always coffee. thought it was just a waste thing. Like, just yeah. don't waste it. And it, could, be, want that. it could very much be. It costs yeah. a penny and a half. And yeah. it's like, got grounds in it man. it's cold. <laughs> don't drink it. It's disgusting. Right. Yeah, but yeah. it's like, so... I, don't, I can't relate to the same way, but I understand what that would and, be. And like. I it's, hope you never have to relate to the same way, but it also makes it very difficult. And that's why it's very difficult for ministers because they just say, look, I'm praying with you. All you need is the Holy Spirit. Right. Well, and, and the other thing that's really interesting is guys who are Christians who, and normally it's guys, but I've met women as well. For us, it's a double whammy because we know it's wrong. We know mm -hmm. it's a sin and we're hooked. And you know what? It is... It is depravity. I almost think it's demonic in the old days, right? They used to call hard liquor spirits, mm -hmm. right? Wine and spirits. It is a spirit. And what you're doing is you're feeling an emptiness. You're feeling a gap. You're feeling a hole in your heart um, that should be filled by God. Mm. But also for me, like I have an aunt who I love dearly. And, and, and she'll, she listens to this. But she wrote me a note. And she said, um, she wrote me said, you were doomed. You never had a chance. And, and, and she knew exactly what was going on. And it, mm. it, it, it runs in my extended family, um, alcohol abuse and, and, and stuff like that. Um, I'm an emotional cripple. I was an emotional cripple, <clears throat> at least in terms of I could help you with yours, but I wouldn't deal with mine. Right. So when my sister died, you know, I did probably didn't really deal with it. Um, there was other things going on that I didn't really deal with it. When, when the struggles hit in the church, I didn't really deal with it. But those would probably be the reasons that I would pick up. But those are not the reasons that I abuse alcohol. At the end of right. the day, 
you know, people go, how can he do that? Why, why would that guy? Because yeah. I really, the wreckage in my life by almighty God, really, he protect me. So I wasn't a bar drinker. I didn't kill the bank account, although I spent way too much on it. Um, I didn't get into affairs, uh, that kind of stuff, because I basically just drank mm-hmm. myself into oblivion. I remember my wife talking about uh, after I got back from rehab, and there was a Coors Light commercial, and then they had, the, you know, those girls scantily oh, yeah. clad. Oh, yeah, yeah. They always oh, yeah. they always have booze and nice glasses. You ever notice mm-hmm. that? Oh yeah. You know, even our bottle. You you would never put booze in a bottle like that. Yeah. Right. Cheap it's always plastic. in cool. It looks yeah, yeah. good, right? The whole thing looks good. Yeah. So she says, "Is that you know? Does that uh, attract you?" I said, "No." They had some guys stumbling around in the garage where nobody could see them. The the glorious underbelly of alcohol. Yeah. See, that's far more because I I couldn't let you know. Right. I'd have a drink at a wedding, but I would finish it off at home. Hmm. I, I, I couldn't get caught in the car. I couldn't get caught being stupid in front of you. Right. Now, you, you start losing control or you, the alcoholic thinks he's more in control than he is yeah. at, at some point. But um, What's, it, it, it's a remarkable thing because um, in everything else, and it, especially us white guys, we have to win. Hmm. Oh, yeah? We have hmm. to overcome. We have to something and then with alcohol i had to say i lost i can't beat this is that different in other cultures do you see that in toronto um i just i just know us the best yeah fair um the difference is is that the hindus and the muslims are not supposed to drink Mm. so that just it's not a deal for they just wipe it out or they they, they end up coming to canada and and it's starting to be a real problem yeah in the hindu community especially it's a wicked problem really yeah because they have no culture of it Right. Hmm. Yep. right. So they don't know how to deal with it. And- no. And we're actually finding out that historically, because out of, if you if you look at the Roman Empire and, and the Germanic tribes, uh, they think that we're genetically uh, better predisposed to handle alcohol than, than say, the um, the native Canadian. Oh, for sure. And stuff like that. That's interesting. That, yeah. And then, um, and all, hmm. all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I was addicted and yeah. I needed help. And I, I, I had to go to, I went to detox, which is a three-day they just watch over you the third day you're in the most danger um i wasn't like i said i i wasn't too too bad you know i didn't have the bends and you know, i i didn't have um dts i didn't have uh the hallucinations or anything of that, that kind of nature mm-hmm. um but i was good and sick for three days but it was a, it was a good time um there, um almost everybody i met in detox and in rehab that ran the places were all born again christians so that that was really wonderful. How, how does that work though? Because I've heard, I think this is correct, that there is like still a physical dependence. Like, did they wean you off of it? Is yeah. that how that goes? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I guess three days, the, the booze is basically out of you, but okay. a physiological, psychological dependence, sure, oh, yeah. is is still there, right? It's still your go-to. Yeah. So, I mean, um, uh, I look at a girl and she's good looking. I want to drink. Uh, I, I look at uh, um, really good plate of food. I want to drink. All the triggers. E- e- everything that you would say that would, like even thirst. If I'm thirsty, I want beer, which is the exact wrong yeah. thing for yeah. thirst. Hmm. Water. Yeah. Right. But pretty soon it, everything, and, and you can't make dopamine normally anymore. The only way you can make dopamine normally anymore is is through alcohol. So the only right. time you ever feel good. And as soon as the alcohol is leaving you, you feel horrible. Right. Man, right. it was, it was, it, it, it's don't go there. Just don't go there. And anybody's listening, even if, if you think you're going there, do yourself the 10-day test. Don't drink for 10 days and see what goes on in your head. 
Mm-hmm. Now, because if you're thinking about, okay, I'm down in nine days and two days I can have one, you probably are in trouble. Hmm. Really? Interesting. What's, what's the difference between alcohol abuse and alcohol addiction? Yeah. So we talked about this right just before we went on air, but um, they're really working hard now uh, to, to understand this. And, and like I said, there, there's, you know, they, I don't know how they really know, but 18% they say of us are, are genetically, physiologically predisposed to, we just don't cope with alcohol well. And if we get drunk once or twice, we're probably headed down the road to dependence. Hmm. There's a lot of other people who simply use booze to cope. But if, if they're asked, look, your heart pressure's going up or you're getting diabetes, you need to knock it off. They just can't. Okay. They can just right. do it. And I could not do it without help. Now, the one thing in terms of my own recovery, as opposed to maybe some people listening, if they are, are in recovery, I've never had a, a um, uh, a failure. I, I've never had a, a um, that I picked up again. A relapse. Yeah. Relapse, yeah. Thank you. Um, so I don't know a hundred percent for sure. The only way I could know is if, you know, that we would have a beer tonight and then we'll see, you know, can I sleep over? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I just don't think I don't need it. Yeah. Right. And it does uh, make some weird things, right? Because I've, I've been at churches where I um, uh, can't serve wine at the Lord's supper and drink it. Oh right? yeah. Cause even that little thing at, you know, I've talked to a guy 25 years sober and he was at a wedding and he had a little shot of sherry. Didn't even think about it. Yeah. Boom. And in and, and the next two years, he was done. Oh, my. Fried. So, really? but you, what do you do? Grape juice? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Or I don't. If I would come to your church and they forgot, I would yeah. just hold it up and then put it down. Oh, fair enough. Right. Yeah. So, I remember when I got to Toronto. Um, so, at Trinity, yeah. uh, they have center ring. At, at, mm-hmm. In Toronto, it's really easy because they have a white ring. We just have white wine because we have so many visitors off the street and in the likelihood of having alcoholics or, or addicts. So we just make it really easy. We have white wine that's white grape juice and then okay. red is wine. Good call. So yeah. it's just mm-hmm. really easy to do. Yeah. So that was already there. But when I, I did my first Lord's Supper there, they filled a pitcher full of Welch's. But my wife didn't know that. My kids didn't know that. And I forgot to tell them. And I drank from the pitcher. Which yeah, Trinity, I would pour the wine, but then drink from gotcha. the thing. So my it was really quiet and then not too happy in my house after the Lord's Supper. And I and then they and I let them stew for a while thinking <laughs> I had wine. But if I, it's grape juice, it's Welch's. Yeah. It's it's okay. It's Which by good. the way, Welch's purple grape juice does 80% of the same thing that wine does in terms of dopamine, uh, health benefits, all that kind of stuff. Eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then it doesn't have the kick. Yeah. Right. Right. And it's true. Alcohol does something. And for, you know what? If you guys can have a drink, go nuts. Why not? Yeah. Wine makes the heart merry. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Like it, it really is a good thing. But for those of us who can't cope, and if anybody's listening, please contact uh, Real Talk and, and you can get my, uh, my contact for sure. information yeah, and for sure, it yeah. will be kept uh, um, complete. So at Detox, I, I, uh, I got introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous in earnest. I mean, I taught it and learned it and I, um, yeah. that sort of thing, 12 step. Yeah. But, um, you know, the second step was, was to, uh, first step, I, I, I'm um, powerless over alcohol and then my life had become insane. And then second step, I hand my life over to God. And then of course they have, as we understand him, but I knew him, I, I knew him and I, I got God back in terms of grace. And I, I really realize now that even in my ministry, I'd become a professional Christian. Hmm. God contracted me to do his work, which is complete and other nonsense, right? But God right. does this and Bazillion does that. And, 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 and he did. He gave me a lot of blessing, you know, 
But I started, I don't know, you, there's this weird disconnect. So when things went bad, it must be my fault. So I just need to work harder. Right. Now I can't cope because God must not be happy with me. So now I, I turn to a drink. And and it's just ridiculous. But um, is that mindset kind of prevalent in our churches? Like I, we have a lot of committees and a lot of like, I guess it's very structured work. Um, yeah. Is that is that mindset of like just being a, a subcontractor, I think you've said, is like. Yeah. So I'm a sociologist um, in terms of my first degree was sociology. And, and back in the day, you couldn't get a social work. You can only get a concentrate in social work. So you had to get a sociology. And it was a somewhat subset of philosophy in its day. But where I'm going with this is it's interesting that the Calvinists who grace alone, by faith alone, by grace alone, mm -hmm. came up with a Calvinist work ethic. Right. Don't you find that interesting? Hmm. Why do we bust hump like all the, and it's not just me, everybody does. Right. That, that's what we're supposed to do. And, and it's like, are we paying God back? Right. Why are we doing it? And and I had to really take a good look while I was sitting on a couch, just embarrassed and horrified. And my wife was in Italy. My daughter had left the house. She was sick of me. She went to Italy. My wife and my other daughter were there. Then they got a phone call. I told the elders, you got to suspend me. Like, you have to suspend me. Right. So um, they right away that afternoon. So everybody knew um, by God's grace. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit yeah. more later. But um the area, Canadian Reformed Churches and the area United Reformed Churches were praying for me by name. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah, I remember and, that. And yeah. I, I mm -hmm. never really ever, especially from the Canadian Reformed, um, was judged. I find that utterly amazing. But in so many ways in my life, I got grace back. I, I, mm -hmm. I understood, yeah, you know, your biggest problem isn't your booze. Your biggest problem is you're a sinner. And why don't you just mm -hmm. trust me and love me and... And you're okay. You're okay um, in the sense of, of uh, I've saved you in Jesus Christ. Now live for me as opposed to keep. I, I, there was probably something in my background too, without getting into everything because it's public here. But I wanted to please. I'm a massive people pleaser. Mm -hmm. right? And if you don't please people, but then you start projecting that onto God. God's happy with me when I. Right. Well, what happens when you think he's not? Right. Right. And you're up there preaching and you're hearing yourself preaching. And why don't you believe that? Why don't you grab onto that? Why don't you hold onto that? So hmm. I, I went to rehab in Westover. Um, that was a wonderful time for me. It, it was uh, three weeks well spent. Um, and like I said, most of the people, but even there, right? So it's supposed to be all anonymous. And I had no anonymity. I mean, everybody. I, I, I showed up at Westover and a Canadian Reformed couple where they're dropping off their son. Reverend Bazillion, are you visiting somebody here? Oh, uh, no, I'm here because I'm an alcoholic, <laughs> right? right yeah. It's like, I'm, I can't get away from this. And when I walk in, one of the guys who's a counselor goes, Al Bazunia, do you live in Virgil? I said, no, that's my uncle. And then I found out later that uh, that guy's daughter, no, that guy's son married my cousin. Oh, really? So he mar she married a Bazunia. So it really was like Alcoholics Unanonymous. Oh, this is crazy. <laughs> Right. And then when I went there, they said, we heard about you because I said, let me at least have my Bible. They said, we'll let, we'll let you have your Bible because they, they usually let you have nothing. Oh, yeah. Right. They said, but mm. we'll let you have your Bible. And we don't care if you pray alone, but we don't want you walk around because we've heard about you, how you want to help other people. Right. So I said, OK. So they did that. So I hid in a corner and then uh, um, I had this one guy, probably about your age. Oh, yeah. And he even looked like you. Oh, we just whacked on heroin, <laughs> cross-addicted in heroin yeah. and booze. Now I'm offended. And, uh, <laughs> and he says, oh, it was so foul. I can't do it. But it was funny if I think about it, like just dropping F-bombs all over the place. But I finally found a minister. I've been praying to God to send me a, you know, blankety-blank yeah, minister, yeah, yeah. blankety-blank. And 
Can you teach me how to pray? I said, dude, I can teach you how to pray. That's not a problem, but we got to, we got to drop some of the language. <laughs> We're going to go to God with it. All right. <laughs> so he, he started joining me in devotions. And, and in four days, I had nine guys joining me in devotions. Wow. And every one of them before we left in three weeks led um, meetings in prayer. Wow. So cool. And I said, God, really? I've never had this in my life. People that don't know anything about God. Because mm -hmm. when you, when you have a God, as you don't understand him, who do you pray to? Right. But if you have a God, you understand. So for me, uh, after that, I, I spent a lot of time in, in detox going to meetings there because it was raw, but it really gave me an opportunity. The guys were sometimes coming to church because it was like, well, if you're a minister, you, you know, right, there, was, yeah. there was a Catholic priest there and there was a few other guys. It's relatable then. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and it did, I think it did change my preaching. I, I think I, I, yeah, I did for sure. Um, I, I was getting, I think I was cocky and I was getting, um, arrogant and God was really broke me down in a lot of ways. And, and now it's, so I, after, right, I was out of the ministry, I worked in construction okay. and then I would listen to sermons and I would go, you know, this covenant thing, that's sorry, you know, but the covenant thing's really cool. But for the guy carrying bricks all day or, or driving a forklift, so like, right. that's mm -hmm. interesting and it's good. And you need to know the promises of God, mm. but what does it mean? Like on Wednesday? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What does it mean when you're working with a couple of Christian guys and the roofing crew comes in just blaring away Metallica and you've never seen eight guys blow out roofs like that, just cranking. Yeah, blow your brain. And I remember I was sitting there going, how, how do those guys scream like that in a two hour concert? That's what cocaine is for, stupid. It's like, you know, like this is all of a sudden you guys live in that world and ministers don't, we don't live in that world. Anymore. Right. Yeah. Roofers, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah you don't start with me because my wife's family's roofers. Oh, yes. your brothers. Okay. Dust your brothers. Roofing. Toes, yeah. I, I remember the first day working for my dad, he took me for coffee and then all of, of my father-in-law, Chuck's boys came in. I'm like, yeah. dad, who are those people? Says, those are roofers. Yes. <laughs> tough guys, man. Just oh, yeah. tough guys. Tough and they job, could work. Guys. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it, it was, uh, it, it was an amazing time. Like God did stuff in my life and I've met people. I, I said that in mm -hmm. that speech, right? But I would drive through St. Catharines and then guys would Give you a nod. nod at me, right? Yeah. And, and my kid's like, how do you know that guy? Well, he has the same last name as me. It's anonymous. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Right. I'd be going through some of the yeah. worst part of St. Catharines and guys are hugging me. And then my yeah. kids were like, yeah, that's, that's what happened. Wow. You know, and you don't That's smell cool. good after that. Yeah, yeah probably you know? not if they're back. back yeah. Then. So um, the journey has been amazing. I can't tell you enough about what God has done yeah. because you cannot beat. That, that's the beauty of the AA program, right? It's, it's secular. Bill Wilson, um, <clears throat> I, I, don't, I know he didn't believe in Jesus Christ unless something happened in the last few days before he died. I doubt if he was saved. It really saddens me. But it came out of a Christian uh, uh, backroom background story. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of the book of James Proverbs in it. Um, but everybody who I know that has good sober time has embraced God. And so I've been even mm -hmm. thinking about that. And that might be fun sometime to talk with some other people about, but is there, is there something about God where if you touch the skirts, there's still a power there right. that, that it does something beyond the salvation. I mean, it still would be a horrible thing to stand before God in judgment day. And you said, but I, showed you myself you got sober mm. because you knew i was there and you still wouldn't give your life to me right you know um yeah, but, so it, but it's 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 a remarkable thing when you get grace back yeah. and, yeah. and forgiveness back and in mm -hmm. aa I, that's the first time i ever met unconditional forgiveness right and i and i i, I think like i um like i said when when i i finally got back in the pulpit 
Um, I, I had three calls to Canadian Reformed churches all at once, eh? So from the Flamborough congregation, yeah. and then the next week, I think the Guelph congregation called me, and then the week after that, the Toronto, the uh, um, Richmond Hill congregation Definitely, called yeah. me, right? So I, um, anyways, I declined those calls. And then later on, I know the Flamborough church, especially there was, there's always been something with that church with me, but um, I asked, I said, I know you normally don't do that, but may I speak to your congregation before mm. I, I preach? And I, I remember thanking them and crying and people were weeping like that church. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And, and, and really my own church, uh, Trinity, I mean, the elders did, what do you do with a guy? Like I, mm -hmm. I totally put my elders in a junk position. What are you supposed to, there's no book on what do you do with an alcoholic minister? Right. right? But I, you know, I, I was doing the work. I actually was um, getting my CV ready to, to, to teach at a, at a, at a sort of hoity toity um, high school in, in the city. And uh, I remember that my, my son, Jake said, so dad, let me get this straight. Like uh, your, your CV matches up and your philosophy of education kind of matches up. Yeah. But all the richest people in, 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 in Canada and the world in, in our area, they, they want some drunk guy to teach their kid. So shut up. <laughs> the joys of kids, right? He, he also said to me once, okay, let me get this right. Dad, you can't smoke. You, you, you can't eat too much anymore and you can't drink. Yeah. So why are you alive? Like, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. But, you know, it's like, wow, this mother's son. But um, yeah, we, it was, it was an amazing time, right? Uh, uh, what, what God did and, and, and working construction again and, and um, working with a really awesome Christian guy. Um, who really he trained under my uncle and my cousin, so he ran a job site most of the way I done. And, and I mean, carrying bricks is they've been doing that since the slaves <laughs> in Egypt. Oh, yeah. Not much has changed with that job, except there's like yeah. maybe a boom on there, a zoom boom and stuff like that. But um, so, wow, it was it was you know, and for God to to get me out. But like I said, everybody that I know who has good sober time that that isn't an alcoholic. And, and a, a narcotics addict as well has received God. And in all, mm -hmm. all of my, uh, it was interesting when I was at Westover, I would talk a lot about Christ and God when, in our, in our conversations. And then they asked me, so you, you, they asked me to speak at, at the group, um, in front of me, their graduation. So the week ahead of me. And, uh, I said things and, and all of them came to me and said, we're not allowed to say that. But keep doing that, okay? <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Right? God yeah. gave me things. I, and to this day, like since I've been in Rexdale, I've had different people coming up who are addicts off the street. Our street, our, our church is right at the bus stop. Oh, perfect. So, you know, I've learned about crocodile. I've learned about Russian drugs. I've learned about this. But it's all the same thing. Yeah. And you're pouring a material thing into your body to solve a spiritual problem. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, the beauty of, of a 12-step program, and, and by the way, there's um, uh, Life Renewal. I was going to ask you about that. Okay. Uh, we're running it in our church. Sweet. Oh, yeah. um, right now, just actually on Thursday will be the second session. So if any of you are close to Rexdale and you need that, yeah. please show up. Uh, Pastor Eric Underwater. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, Eric, yeah, yeah. Yep. He's, he's taking care of that. Um, Formerly from our congregation. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, but how does that compare? So like 12 steps, like you you speak very highly of it, work quite well for you and for yeah. lots of other people and what they're doing at Life Renewal. Like what's the difference yeah. between those two? For me, one of the joys of, of going to the AA program, because the 12 steps are the 12 steps, right? Yeah, yeah. So what Life Renewal does in Celebrate Recovery mm. is they basically, I'm going to say baptize them a little bit. They, they put them in a Christian context. Then you have Christians in recovery helping people 
who are generally Christians. Yeah. For me, and I don't know that is for everybody, I just think that for me, where I was in life, it was really a, a special opportunity to talk to a lot of non-Christians. Hmm. And mostly for me, can you teach me how to pray? And can you teach me who God is? And can you, why, why do you believe the Bible? No, some of them get the, back to the basics. But yeah. for me, it was an instant mission ground. You know, coming alongside somebody who's an addict too, like, that's part of 12 steps too, right? Yeah. So I guess that really assists that. Yeah. No, step 12. I mean, tw tw step 12 is really the great commission. Mm. The only two institutions that exist um, for somebody else is really the church. It right. exists for God and it exists for the person who doesn't mm -hmm. believe like, one of the problems we have with Reformed churches, I think, which I learned over time, is we really kind of exist for ourselves. We build our buildings for ourselves, right? So hmm. um, would, would we build a building in a lousy part of town or will we build the best building that we can outside of town because then our people, we can get everybody in and we can take care of them? Will we say, right. well, I can't build downtown, but what if we just get a storefront because hmm. the people downtown need to hear us. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Right. Which Mercy is doing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, we we, we talked about with yeah. Pastor Ian a bunch too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's made me rethink of uh, what, why we're here and, and what we do. Um, I praise God for all of it. You know, it, it's, what, what did I read the other day? Less than 20% of the addicts of alcoholics will ever go get help and about half of them will get better. That means a lot of people are going to die of alcohol, from alcohol. Yeah, yeah. And they, they, they don't tell you that, right? Like my blood pressure was up. My doctor will ask you, well, do you drink? Yeah. I don't tell them how much. Yeah. Right, yeah. But there's a lot of people who are dying from alcohol-related things. Because one of the things that I get asked quite a bit is with this COVID thing, what do you think about? Because a lot of Christians were cheesed off, right? That the liquor store was allowed to be open and the beer store was allowed mm -hmm. to be open. And I say, you guys should actually be praising God because you know how much abuse would be happening if the alcohol wasn't yeah, that allowed was a right big now. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Because it, you know. But I, yeah, but I've heard that uh, the COVID's creating a problem with youth because it's isolating people, and that's kind of driving this. Uh, we're having a big problem in Rexdale with fentanyl. Right. Right. People are idle, I guess, right? And, that, yeah. and isolated. They can stay home. They can do their thing. And, and, and Generation X and Generation it. Y is willing to take fentanyl for the experience as opposed to they have any problem. Wow. I just want to know what that feels like. The problem is it can kill you at one time. See, you've described, uh, what was it, crocodile? Yeah. You've just you described that and that uh, thing. I wouldn't want to try that once. It's yeah. kind of terrifying. <laughs> right. Just the first shot of it would be like. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. And even uh, heroin. But no, I didn't realize how big morphine is in the city. Hmm. Right. Um, um, pill form. Right. Right. And then, and then, of course, you know, you get the methadone clinics and blah, blah, blah. But th there is a problem. Canadians. I read that per capita Canadians use more pills than any other nation in the world. More prescription right. pills, right? So, well, wow. you know that free over medicated. Yeah. We're way over medicated, yeah. and I, I bet you that's in the church too. So does that? So the um, you came in contact with a lot of people from outside the church when you were going through the twelve steps. Yeah, Do, is there a difference between? Um, the disease and morality um, divide there because I think in the in the church, just my thought would be, it's harder to come forward with with somebody like this because of it's not just viewed as a disease or an allergy or or just a, a, a physiological problem. It's also immoral. So it's like now you're dealing with two ends of it. Whereas someone coming from outside the church maybe isn't dealing with that. Yeah. I think that you're. <clears throat> 
your way back into your normal life unless your record is really bad, <clears throat> especially if guys have been cheating on their wife or tank the bank account. Because, I mean, you know, alcohol, if you're spending 100 days in alcohol, you're probably getting pretty hammered, right? Right. But you, you need to spend like 1500 bucks a day on Coke or you, if you're spending 2500 days, 2500 a day on whatever you're yeah. doing, right? Like you're, you're going to get broke yeah. pretty fast. So that wreckage. But those guys seem to have a, a, an easier integration into the world than than the alcoholic back into the church. The alcoholic back into the church. Like if we had a gossip who stopped gossiping, who, who would know? No, exactly. Yeah. Or, or if we had the guy cheating in his business, who would know? Right. Um, but the two, alcohol and, and, and of course, um, the one that, that probably still is the most unforgivable is adultery. Yeah. Right. Like. I, I, I'm pretty sure that if I'd committed adultery, I don't think I would ever be restored into the ministry. Right. Well, cause I, I was looking at this last night, um, in the URC church order, it's pretty much the same in the CanRap one too. Yeah. It lists like the gross sins yeah. and whatnot. I forget it, like 61, maybe your article. Yeah. Um, and it, it mentions, um, the habitual drunkenness in yeah. that along with adultery and a whole list of other ones. Yep. Yeah maybe just break that down. Like how did that conversation go with your church leadership and the elders there? And yeah. what, uh, I mean, obviously you're back in the mystery now. So yeah. I was thinking even, even as an elder in your church, right. It's, it's almost the same, right. And there's, there's a lot more of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll tell you a couple of stories, but we'll, we'll start with the, the thing first. Sure. Um, so I, I told the guys, you need to take me to detox and you need to suspend me. You came forward. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I, that was a big difference. I think yeah. they knew something was wrong, but I was fudging and, and getting, I mean, it was a lying son of a, yeah. but, um, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I have a hard time. What a, what a creep I really, really was. Okay. I don't know why my wife stays with me or my kids, but anyways, I was just miserable because you're, you're, you're such a two face. Yeah. Cause I don't want nobody, anybody to know, right. right? But, but your kids, it doesn't matter if they know. And usually what's yeah. happening is you're just really inconsistent. You're Mr. Happy guy. And then you're yelling, but anyways, um, so I did come forward myself and I just said, you, you need to suspend me. They went to the, they, they, they did the proper procedure. I had resigned myself and I've been fighting the ministry my whole life. When I, when I walked out of my grade 12 graduation, three ministers, older men came to me and said, come here. And they said, we really think you should think about the ministry. And I actually busted out laughing. I thought that was the most hilarious thing I'd ever heard in my life. But I thought about it. Um, and I had thought about it a little kid. I loved going to church. I loved the minister serving the Lord's Supper. I loved listening to a sermon. I don't know how convinced I was about all of it, but I just loved it. Hmm. <clears throat> but then it came time and I'm like, eh, I don't know. I'll become a teacher. I don't know. I'll become a social worker. And and finally, God did get me there. But th this just seemed to me. And then I failed my, my Greek comp. And then, okay, good. God doesn't want me to be a minister. And then one of my professors um, found a way to it made it happen, right? So, okay. Yeah. And then the ministry did happen. But now I thought again, okay, now this is clear. God does not want me in the ministry anymore. Um, so I, I, I got that job working construction. And the church took care of me still, right? Um, in terms of my salary and taking care of my family and stuff like that. But it was getting, I don't know, we were getting to, I guess, eight months, nine months. And then uh, I, I kind of thought, well, I got I to gotta get a better job. Like, they can't keep taking care of me, and I don't want this. And I still had to pay off my rehab, right? I didn't, I had to pay for that myself. <clears throat> so kind of what happened, really, was they didn't know what to do. And I, I told them, I will not ask you ever to reinstate me. 
I will not do that. And I will not pursue another church. Yeah. If, if they want to talk to me, that's fine. And that happened. There was, there was one church in town, a, a more evangelical church, and they said, we really could use a pastoral counselor. What would you think? I said, well, you know, um, in the meantime, I was getting uh, a little bit of counseling and, and, and we were working through some stuff. So what happened was um, another man, the brother-in-law of the man who, who said I should go to seminary, he died. And I had been taking care of him. Because you can still, you don't have to be a minister to take care of people, right? right. Mm -hmm. Go to their house, read the Bible and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and our church order is the same as your church order. A funeral is a family service. So they asked if I would do the funeral. And I said, I don't think the elders will be too happy about it. And they said, well, but it is a family service. And if you want me to do it, I'll do it. Because I loved him and, and it shouldn't be a problem, right? <clears throat> but the elders weren't sure about that. They thought um, a neighboring minister that should do it. And then that lady said, no. Reverend Bazunian will be doing that service. And he was a man who had a big family and the church was pretty close to packed. And God blessed me in that sermon. Like it was like I hadn't missed a day. Um, and then after that, the congregation was like, why isn't he back on the pulpit? <laughs> so it was really the congregation asking the elders. And then the elders came and sat down with me. And then when I, when I, so I sat with a counselor, we got a new counselor who was basically a, a Christian guy, probably, for us guys, a little liberal, maybe in, in terms of his theology, but he was good at what he did. He listened to them and he listened to me and he put it together and he says, you know what? You're reformed and they're reformed, but you're, a, you are a bit of a round hole trying to fit into a, a round peg, trying to fit into a square hole. And he says, you need to restore, you need to reconcile, but you need to move on. Um, and that happened. Right. So I, I got back in the pulpit. It, it went quite well. I was teaching catechism again and stuff like that. And then an elder from from the Toronto church, we were at a classes meeting. He said, you need to get out of here. We need a minister. So you should come. And I said, well, do what you want. Because I that was the first time in 17 years I, I had, I think, 10 or 12 calls. Yeah. And I know I just knew I couldn't. And, and uh, now I was like, no, OK, let's see what happens. Yeah. And interestingly, I had two younger uh, guys in the ministry who had worked at that church and said, we think you should go there. Way out of the blue. Hmm. Huh. And then, uh, um, yeah, they call. Yeah. And, 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 and that, that's how it was. But I, I think if I had lied in a lot more than I lied and, and, and had got caught and, and was belligerent and stuff like that, maybe that's part of it. Because I, I went through a grinder and the elders knew I had been through a grinder, partly because of my own overwork, but partly just because of, of a nasty situation in the church, um, which I didn't cope with well. And by the way, I don't blame all those people, but it happened. Yep. I think there was some compassion for me. And I had mm -hmm. other ministers um, come and say, oh, we knew this was coming. I said, well, why did you tell me, right? <laughs> but you can't because booze is booze. But mm -hmm. I, I remember working in Smithville carrying blocks and bricks, right? And um, um, Reverend Bauman would walk through there every day with his wife. Oh, yeah. And I go, hey, hi, Reverend Bauman. How are you? And then funny says, Will you say good morning to us. Who are you? And I had snot dripping out of my face and mortar dust. And I said, I'm Al Bazuian. Oh, he says, we pray for you every Sunday and we pray for you at mealtime every day. Like, how cool is that? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, but I still think he, he had no clue who I was. Yeah. And that's okay. That I, I needed. Working I needed undercover. That. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, back to the, the question being reinstated, I. My brother-in-law, Pastor Joel Dykstra, he said, Al, um, you are a minister. And, and if God, that's what God it's wants, you, you will be. 
yeah. back in mm-hmm. the pulpit. He says, what you need to do is make the changes that, that need to be made. And I didn't know what he meant kind of at the time because I thought I, it was too far gone. But that was grace again, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. How, how, how do people let me be in the pulpit after what I did? And, and, and in some ways, they're kinder and, and, and listen to me different than they ever have. But do you right. think you would have got back on if you didn't have that spirit of humility in the first place? Because you talked about like you felt you were kind of arrogant before. So yeah, that hmm. like, is that, is that kind of part of the process too? For Oh, God broke me down. And when I, when I say arrogant, I just mean self-reliant, sure, self-dependent, yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, you know, um, you could do it yourself. That sort of Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, all, I'm the man and I'm all that. And, yeah. and, and you do, you, you know, start. When, when you get to do a lot of young people, I mean, I, I actually got to mm-hmm. go when the new Bimbrook Canadian Reformed Church came and they asked me to give a speech on evangelism. I'm like, what do I know about evangelism? Like, yeah. like it was all just Double stuff like yeah. that, right? And you, you start believing your own press clippings. So it was good yeah. to get the chair. Mm-hmm. There's a man named Andrew Purvis and he wrote a book called The Crucifixion of Your Ministry. And I was reading it in McMaster. Bill and Reverend Young and I were, yep. uh, he was doing his PhD and I was doing an MA. And we both took that that course and then the professor who taught that course asked brother bill and me what do you do in your ministry and you know we teach catechism we write two sermons a week we do visiting and blah 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 blah, blah. and the other kind of kids because we have seminary kids around us right oh you know well man you guys sure do a lot and then uh then the professor looked at me and says what is christ doing in your ministry and i had no answer <laughs> that's bad eh? you're working for him and not there yeah and then so I learned so much about all this stuff all kind of came together. Um, but yeah, so that that's really where we are now. And, and, and by God's grace, um, I, I don't go to AA meetings anymore because God keeps giving me 12 step work. Hmm. So I, I probably ever since I've been getting better, I have somebody calling or somebody that I'm working with. And then I get them to meetings and stuff like that. But with the ministry, it's very hard for me to commit to a night every night. And I did, they right. say do 90 meetings in 90 days and I did 145 in 90. Wow. So that, um, and I, I mean, I still hope someday that I could maybe teach at a Westover or help, you know, when I retire and, and, and do yeah. that kind of stuff. But, uh, well, hopefully this will be a blessing for some people, some of our listeners. If one or two, you know, yeah. and, and, and please, it'll be anonymous and, 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 mm-hmm. um, and it is the best way really brothers is if you can keep it anonymous and you seamlessly move people back into their lives. Mm. Um, it, it, so it, you didn't get the anonymity. No. But, uh, On the uh, other hand though, like for, for my fifth step where I have to apologize to everyone, I got most of that done because I stood so in front of the whole congregation. Mm. Right. That was even interesting. When I did that, I had a number of guys, some of them were my buddies, right. And, and, and that sort of thing. Um, I used to sing in an octet, which we called eight smocklick. <laughs> three years we sang uh, the national anthem at the blue jay game oh wow yeah, yeah actually yeah is that on youtube cool. uh, i don't know but we we did doc holiday's last game in, in oh, as wow. a, yeah. cool. that's cool but um that's going into the highlight reel yeah <laughs> so some of those guys came right we used to drink together all the time uh-huh. they, they felt lousy yeah. you know like we didn't help you and and some other people but, but i remember guys and even a couple girls saying to me i wanted to be next in line we all should do that hmm. just stand up public apology and I remember my oldest daughter, did you have to tell him everything? I said, yeah, now you're free. No it's more true. lying. You're free. Everybody knows yeah. your dad's a bum, but I'm forgiven too. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you about that because um, you had a, I guess you had a really distinct like 
hit rock bottom moment where where you just like you were in Done. a situation where it just it just came to you know you kind of hit a wall yeah. and then it was just out there right and then i guess that I, in a way it helps you to deal with it because you're kind of forced to um but i guess like you've started talking about porn addiction a little bit too mm-hmm. and a lot of this stuff like i've been t- um doing a little bit of listening and reading on this stuff and and uh, the isolation especially with covid even but the isolation factor that that comes into this stuff kind of it kind of fuels a like porn a is a little bit different because you drink with buddies you normally right. don't do porn with buddies hey i'm watching i mean they used to at, at, at wedding you know for for the bachelor party oh I see. But, but hardcore porn where guys like you know my, yeah. these young guys are watching on their phone they don't want anybody to know Right, right. So most well, of my twelve really, step work, do you more have than half of it is porn yeah. addiction. Right. Do you? Ha- you don't really have a hit, you know, hit rock bottom moment unless you you have that in yourself. I guess. I think God right, has where, to give it to you. Yeah. Whereas, like, it, your family can almost give you it with with uh, a drug or an alcohol addiction. We have a right? saying in Alcoholics Anonymous because they always say, "Oh, you have to hit rock bottom." When an alcoholic or a porn addict, porn addicts are even worse at this. When they hit rock bottom, they get a shovel and start digging. Hmm. I don't know what it is, yeah. but that, that's what it is. And you know what it is? Partly, I feel lousy because I'm drinking too much and I don't know how to get rid of the lousy feeling, so I drink. Right. So I'm looking at porn. I feel like a disgusting human being, especially if these guys are married. Right. I mean, just an interesting thing. Like, I don't know how much Tim talked about that, but you, bit, yeah. how, you know why Viagra sales are so high? Yeah, because yeah, 25 and 30-year-old yeah, yeah. guys can't get it up looking at their wife. Like 33%. Yeah. yeah. It's absurd. And young too, like what you said, it was like 18, 18 to 40. Yeah. There's yeah. like a third of men. Yeah. Right. And, and it's because yeah. they, they have no clue what affection yeah. is. Yeah. No, by God's grace, that's not for me yeah. a, 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 an issue. It's not my drug of choice. But they, when, when I was going through rehab, because the more and more of guys mm-hmm. with porn are going through regular rehab. Right. <clears throat> they told us then that the rewiring of your brain with pornography is 15 times worse than heroin. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's just a, a physiological change inside you. Yeah. It's hard to reverse. It's almost impossible for a porn addict to ever, even afterward, to make normal dopamine again. So how does someone like yeah, how does someone hit the wall with that and then decide like we I asked him a similar question. He said, "Man up," which was a very Jordan Peterson answer. Of mm. it. He said, "You know, it's just a matter of manning up." But you when when you describe being an alcoholic. It's not a matter of manning up. You just can't do it, right. right? And so you pray and you pray for months. And unless God works that in you, and, and you know, if you hit a wall with it, then your your family finds out, and then you're you get to get help. out there. You have to get help. That was yeah, the, right. But you know, with a porn addiction or even even, you know, there's there's many other things that you porn can addicts do. have to admit. I think that they need a plan. Yeah. more than alcoholism, and alcoholism is definitely that. It's it's building networks and building small groups you know that i think part of the problem with pornography is is like i'm i'm safe now right because mm-hmm. they know i'm not going to look down on what, what am i going to say right right but where do you go in in, in, a, in a canary reformed church or united reformed church when you are if you're married and you're looking at porn it's it's right. one thing for young guys who are single but even, even all, all addiction if you can get rid of it by the time you're 21 you're, you're pretty much free if you go right. past 21 you're stuck yeah you know and it does lead. It's a gateway to other things, right? You know, strippers, right. all that other stuff. Like it just gets you into messes guess, and yeah. the guilt. There is still something about sexual sin. The guilt is horrible. And I'm finding with with 
you know, pot smokers, booze guys, they'll tell you everything and they'll pretty much fess up. Mm-hmm. But but the hard drug guys and, and the pornography guys, they always keep a little back and you're always feeling like, are you hmm. hoping that maybe, you know, you can do it once in a while again? Because you can't. Hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think the other difference too with alcohol as opposed to pornography is you got to pour it down my throat, right? Yeah. But I can walk in the mall and see it all over the place. Yeah. I, I can hang out with my buddies and see something on Netflix and all of a sudden I'm- That's right. And it's like, yeah. So like for you, like it's pretty easy for me to stop you from drinking. Right. But, you know, with porn or, you know, it's it's way more a secret thing. It's also way more accessible. So even a, even a movie or, or anything- or like yeah. a music video or something, right? Yeah. And the totally. loneliness, the loneliness of the pornography guys. Mm-hmm. It's just horrible. You know, they, they, normal affection, just fun between a man and a woman. They don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and there is hope for it. And, and, and God can, can do things. And, and I, I understand where, 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 you know, Tim says man up. I, I, I get that. But I also understand that there's a, <clears throat> you need God. Mm-hmm. You, you you need God in a, in a really special way. And you also need, we have a saying in Alcoholics Anonymous that, that when I'm in the pit of the alcohol, right, the, the minister will come and he'll say, hey, you, you need to stop drinking. Here's the Bible, right? Yeah. And and uh, the psychologist or the sociologist will say, you, you need to stop this. Now, here, here's a better way to live. Right. But with AA, the alcoholic will jump in the pit with you. Mm. Say, and you go, why are you here? Because I was here, but I actually know the way out. Mm. And it, it does help a lot. And I am finding cross addiction guys. Like I, when I share stuff, the, the other thing with, 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 um, with, with <coughs> the, the fifth step, like you, you know, four step, you make a fearless inventory of your life and, and, and the junk you've done. Mm-hmm. And then the fifth step, you know, you, you, you confess that to somebody else. That's really hard for the pornography guys. Because it's the whole thing has been so secret. Mm-hmm. It's so, so secret. So, um, and it's harder to get caught maybe too, right? Yeah, probably. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. But it, 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 I know that it's, it's, uh, it's an insidious problem <clears throat> and, it, mm-hmm. and it's killing marriages. It's, it's killing. Um, yeah. I wonder if like the, would you talk about 18% of, of people are, are predisposed to, you know, taking it poorly to alcohol. But I can imagine that like you're in the 90% for, for men in pornography, like, oh. because it's just, that's, you know, how you're wired. Right. So yeah, I'm just like, it's gotta be so much more prevalent and so much more. And I think, I don't know if there's anything that you've, you've seen in the church other than the AA thing that, um, you know, is a way to deal with it or, or groups to help, I know the jury is out with small groups. I want to be very careful with this, but um, because I don't think it's the best, I I still think elders watching over the congregation. Mm -hmm. And I, I think your age group. Yeah. So I'm figuring you guys were 25, 22, 27. Okay. (laughs) the difference. You know, I I just think of gentlemen, my father's age, 80 years old. I just can't imagine them sitting in small groups, sharing all their sin. Right. I don't think they're that's, you just didn't do that. No. Shoot a beer. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or, or just tough it up. Right. right? Yeah. You just don't talk about those things. Yeah. And, and, and maybe in some ways they didn't do it. Like it, so I'm 58. If we wanted to look at pornography, we had to go to the corner store. And, mm-hmm. That's what Tim said. It was tough to find. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or we would go to the, look at national geographics and look at some emaciated tribal women and go, Ooh, right. What's the big deal. But yeah. Yeah. It, it, now 
And, and not only that, you can hear it and see it. Right. Like, wow, it just, it, it, and that's why my age group has a tough time sometimes even understanding what you men have seen um, and, and go through. Um, but I think we need to have accountability. Mm-hmm. And, and I think especially there has to be someone, because I it was for me huge. I, I still have a buddy, and he's not a Christian, but I, I call him the sage. Um, he'll just text me out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Are you okay? And it's like, whoa. Right? Just checking in. And yeah. I've been doing that pastry a lot more. You don't need to call me. Just text me, pray. And, mm-hmm. and that's been massive. But if you text me and say pray, 95% you're not going to go look at porn. Right. Because you took the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So we, we always say in, in, in AA, my next drink is an arm length away, but so is the phone. So mm-hmm. make a choice. Right. Yep. And mm-hmm. there are choices you make afterwards. Yeah, for sure. You know, but um, with all addiction, you need help. And a lot of us are very proud mm-hmm. and we think we can beat it on our own. And uh, <clears throat> no sin can be beaten on its own. I need Jesus Christ in the first place. But why did why did he give us the church? James, right? Chapter five, confess your sins to one another. Mm -hmm. Martin Luther talks about, I lament the loss of of the confessional, not because he thought it was a good thing in terms of the theology, but where does a man go to confess a sin? Mm -hmm. You know, and and I hope we can build churches because in in the inner city, we have to be more vulnerable because people need to, because I mean, you hear stuff that growing up in Niagara, Really? This is going, like, really? Yeah. But the world's coming to us. We have voodoo. We've got um, tribal worship. We've got Islam. We've got all kinds of stuff. And, and there's all kinds of different weird immorality that goes with some of this stuff mm-hmm. that they think's just okay. And they go, well, that's why God wrote Ephesians <laughs> and Colossians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, we're getting near the end here. What, yeah. yeah. What do we got here? Oh, we still got like 10, 15 minutes, I think, still. Yeah. Man, I got, I got a minister I yak too long. No, no, <laughs> Sorry. it's good. Yeah, it's good. I, I, so I was curious. I, I was listening to something about, it was just, a, it wasn't a, a Christian by any means, but it was about addiction and getting over um, addiction. And, and the, I guess the theme of this podcast I was listening to was, um, I guess you're probably familiar with the, the parable. Well, the, um, probably secular parable of the wolves, like feed the, the wolf you feed is the one that wins. Like, um, you feed your good wolf or a bad wolf inside you, right? Yeah. And that was kind of his way of saying, you know, yeah, like if you if you chase after something, that's kind of what you're going to end up like, right? You yeah. are you are where you eat almost. So I was curious: is it more? Um, I tr- I'm trying to distinguish between that the bad wolf killing the bad wolf, like killing your addiction, getting rid of it, and then um, we talked a little bit with Tim Challies too, but but feeding your the good wolf and like um, is is in, in your journey, have you seen that that killing um, and the detox and the AA meetings is that more critical than, or or less critical than feeding the the good wolf inside you? Maybe that's a pretty secular yeah. question. So, <laughs> well, so you, you, a lot of what I've done tonight is is anecdotal, right? Right. Yeah. So even the eighteen percent, I don't know how they would know that, right? Okay. So take some of what I say, you know that, but I what I what I see in AA. We, we don't tend to use that language. The, 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 the beauty of AA, the beauty of the 12 step, right? The point isn't to um, stop pornography. The point is to not start it again. Hmm. That's not the same thing. The hardest, like a lot of guys stop drinking, but they're dry drunks. Right. 
right? What do you yeah. replace it with? Yeah. Mm, okay. Right. I, the thing for me is right. I, I, I'm defenseless against the first drink. Hmm. So as long as I don't take the first, like my wife and I joke, I said, Sonny, can you bring me my second beer? Because as long as I don't have the first one, I'm fine, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. We know what we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah. But like one is too many and a hundred's not enough. Right. Right. So the, 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 what I would rather talk about is, is, is you know, conversion. You, you put off the old man, but you put off the old man by not just constantly putting up, but putting on the new. You need mm -hmm. to do something else. Right. And you know what the biggest thing in NAA is? Do something nice for somebody else mm -hmm. and don't tell anybody. That's the hard part. Mm -hmm. When you see somebody, an old lady cutting the lawn, you go, and, and it, by the way, it freaks people out. What are you doing? Or do you want money? No. Bye. Yeah. And, and, you're, and it's weird. That's mm -hmm. what the 12th step. If I'm helping somebody else, I'm accountable. I, I feel better. Yeah. It, 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 it's a rem and it makes its own dopamine if you want. Yeah. It, it, there was a new study out, right? My, my son is, is at U of T in psychology. And, and uh, um, there is far more joy in the use of money and giving it away than buying something even and giving it away or, or for yourself. That physiologically, weirdly, we're wired if we do something nice for somebody else. And, hmm. and the more you fill that, um, keeping my interesting prayer, right? In AA, the prayers are not, oh, Lord, help my wife and all this kind of stuff. But Lord, you know my weaknesses. You know I struggle with bad language, which you can see I do. Um, I struggle with uh, bad temper. I'm, I'm, I'm immature. And would you please give me an opportunity to serve you today? Hmm. And you, and you need, and you be very specific. And I think that every, everybody should start doing this, but you can't just pray, forgive me my forgive us our debts as we forget what that, what right. did you do? Get specific. Yeah. Right. Mm. And, and, and the more you do it, it, it's, it's amazing how, how stuff goes away. The biggest two reasons, by the way, pornography, all, all addiction. The reason we start again is resentment or anger. Right. Okay. Oh, mm. he gets to use it and I don't. Yeah. Or he gets to have a beer and then you start self-pity and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you want to saw mm. a wiener of the world. That was me, man, drinking. I still am, but it's not as bad, I hope. Um, but you pray. You pray for that guy. Yeah. Mm. You you want that guy to have what you have. And and it, it is. It's, you know, when you go to a meeting and you be and you're with recovered people and you cry and you weep and you hear stuff that that rocks your world, but the hugging and the laughing, it's just Mm -hmm. I, and I, I hope the church could be like that. We're freed from sin. Jesus Christ died mm -hmm. on the cross. Who cares if the Blue Jays won or lost? Jesus died for me, man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, brother, are you saved? Like yeah. breaking this. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. know, yeah. and, 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 uh, I, I, I think AA was cool because it, have you guys been talking much about the, 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 the meta narrative, the narrative, you know, there's a big story of, of creation, fall, redemption, right. okay. restoration. Yeah. Yeah. But there's your story. Inside mm. that. And all evangelism is just telling your story. And at AA, we learn to tell the story. Like, you know. What about at the beginning when you have to say, uh, like, hi, my name is Al. I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. Like, so every time you go to an AA, AA meeting, yeah. you still have to say that, right? Sometimes I say I'm ethanol challenged. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. To Robin that's Williams. Yeah. 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 But, but uh, and you know, my name is Albert Adrian Bazuian, right? A. A. Oh, there you go. Bazuian. Oh, well, there you yeah, go. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Hello, my no. name's Al. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Al. How are you? And we, we basically give our drunk log how we got here, what yeah. happened, and why we're here now. 
So mm-hmm. my question on that though is what is, do you think that's in conflict with what scripture says that we like the dying, the old and the coming life, the new, like, should you say, hi, my name is Al and I was an alcoholic or yeah, is it I, just I, a kind of a psychological trick they use? Yeah. Not a trick, but they're tapping into, yeah, the, you the, know, the, your weakness. Yeah. So the it. reason I would, the reason at the meeting I would tell everybody I'm an alcoholic and psychologically I remind myself I'm an alcoholic is that I can't take a drink, mm. right? Because if I'm a recovered alcoholic, I could theoretically okay. take it. So we we usually use the word in remission. I'm an alcoholic in remission. Okay. Mm. Why would I want cancer again? Why would I want? Yep. Right. That makes sense. Again, right. So um, I, I know I've been asked by some people from from Christian counselors about that too. Is is that a good way to define yourself? And and I understand that. Um, and and I'm sensitive to it. I am thinking about that more. Uh, I am Al, Al Bazoon. I'm an alcoholic saved by grace and, and um, living alcohol free Yeah, by the grace of Almighty God. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think we can do that. But um, the, the reason that we do is just simply to, to remind ourselves. Um, you know, Bill Wilson, I, I think for the last 38 years of his life, never had a drink. And on his deathbed, he wanted alcohol still. You know, really? It, it, it's, it's a demon, man. It, yeah. Did, did you guys, did you guys know that that all addiction grows even when you're not using? Yeah, I I, I came across that too. And you you mentioned uh, the the term dry drunk, which is like you're you're you don't have anything, but you're like you're right there. Right. And I I I read something that said like you can actually be an alcoholic before you've had a drink in your life. Right. Because of what you're saying, like you have a condition. It's a physiological thing that. It, they they kind of related it to like if you were if you were gonna steal something you actually do it more for the rush of stealing it than you do for whatever you're grabbing exactly and so it's the rush of of doing whatever you're doing gambling Smoking, addiction gamble yeah it's it's more about doing it than it is about what you're doing some guys get more jacked losing than winning really well how, the, how can that be because <laughs> well, of you're like, think oh. of what's going through your body if you just dump ten thousand you just bet the house and you lost it what do you think. Yeah, when you're waiting for those cards to come. It's a thrill. Yeah. Right, right, right. The dopamine is off the chance. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, mm. you know, I, 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 there's, a, there's a fellow that, that we, we talked about, you know, 25 years without booze. And then he's feeling good and he has a, it's an Irish thing, but they pour half a beer in a glass of lemonade and he drank it. And that was at two o'clock in the afternoon. And by two o'clock in the morning, that next day with, so that within 12 hours, he was on his second 40. <sighs> It grows. It's it's all cigarette guy. Ask any guy who quits cigarettes. If you pick up, yeah. you're, if you were smoking a pack when you quit, you'll be at a pack and a half within a week. Really? Up picking up again. It amplifies. Yeah. Huh. Well, your body knows that you need it. Yeah. And yeah. it's telling you all the time. Mm-hmm. It, 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 you know. It, yeah. I, I haven't had a cigarette in, I don't know, maybe, how old am I, 58? So at least 30 years. Well, yeah. Close to yeah. 30 years, I guess. And I still, when I feel uptight, I... Yeah, where's that pack? Where's that pack? Yeah, you smell it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my dad smoked for years too. That was the thing. We always smoked while he was fishing. And then now, we're, even now when he's when he's fishing, he'd be like, oh, yeah. Like he just feels... It's just, it's you know the, it's how hard it is to mind. barbecue steak or hamburgers without a cigarette and a beer? Oh, see, yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Just, there's just certain things you... Little triggers, yeah. Something yeah. you really got to watch, yeah. That you, even I know you mentioned like even complex things, like when you, yeah, if you wake up in the morning, you have, you know, you have a cigarette, or you, yeah, yeah. 
even even complex like you have a discussion or an argument and if you always have a drink after an argument then every time you argue it's like your body says hey and yeah i i hadn't thought about that that it being that strong but do you have any advice for i guess we're getting close to the end but do you have any advice for parents or elders or friends of people who are addicted or or maybe they suspect of being addicted maybe to alcohol specifically but other ones too how to help them well what we need to do is find recovered people in our church communities find them and uh, uh you know we'll come talk but the best is if you can get those an alcoholic any addict has to admit that they are right and right. once they've admitted that they are then then we can move um, but I do think tough love starts to happen. You, you can't you, you you can't let these people run over, ruin your house, yeah. mm. rob you of all your money. Um, and I know it sounds horrible, but all of us guys will tell you that you can create a bit of a bottom, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes the bottom has to come up and hit you. Yeah. yeah. And when a wife says no, no more. Yeah. You know, you, know. you love the bottle more than me, and every guy will say no, no, no. Prove it. Right. Yeah. And then the other thing too is in recovery, don't be too quick to take them back. Okay. If, if there's, if, if there's, um, you know, let them get the recovery time, let them, them work at stuff because probably the dynamics of the house, you know, aren't changed that much. Even after you stop drinking, you still got to come in and then refit and that kind of stuff and mm, rebuild. Yeah. But you know, and, and, and for ministers too, um, I think there are more Christian programs, and I know for some people that is a big problem because the theology at AA is junk. What about life renewal? Is it like I, I don't? I think it should be fine. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, um, I do. I just, I still think the optimum is when an alcoholic helps another an alcoholic in recovery helps another alcoholic, okay. just because yeah. mm. the story is so shared, and you don't. It's really hard. Like, and you guys have been wonderful tonight, but it's. It's really hard to convey to somebody how in AA we talk about two kinds of insanity. The, the one you you know, Einstein, yeah, yeah. right? Same thing. <clears throat> Repeatedly different results. Yeah. But the other one is when emotion trumps uh, intellect. That's insanity. And that's what we are. Our, our emotion is trumping. The, I know I shouldn't and I will anyway. Mm, yeah. Why does he keep doing that? How stupid can he be? Yeah. And we can't help ourselves but that describes so many things like even just so many sins greed and and gossiping like you just yeah you'd be like okay well i i know i struggle with this i'm not going to do it and then yeah i mean even your phone it's like you oh, think phone buzzes bad, it pings it yeah. pings i'm definitely like, addicted yeah, yeah right and then so as soon as it happens you're like oh i i know this is a problem i talk about this with my friends i know that like and and it pings and you pick it up and yeah you hate it and, and you still go yeah. or you're you're just oh you have a spare minute and your fingers just like oh facebook or instagram or wh- whatever you do spend to waste your time right and so all those things like i feel like yeah it's I guess that's a good indicator. It's like if you if you just feel like you can't get past it, then that's, you know, maybe a good indication you're if you're asking yourself, if you've ever asked yourself, do I drink too much? You probably are. Hmm. Because why else would you ask yourself that? Right. And maybe one thing to just just to think about. What if we went back to drinking the way the old older people used to drink was we drink at a wedding, we drink on a birthday, we drink on Christmas, and we drink at New Year. But you don't drink just because you finished cutting the lawn. Mm. Mm. 
right invention. or hockey or anything yeah, oh, yeah right too. It, yeah. it's all so yeah. part of because we can mm-hmm. right? yeah and it's sort of, and it, is, it, it is it's easy fun mm-hmm. yeah cheap but what could be more stupid than working like crazy sweating and then drinking two beers after a hockey game and then wanting to get up in the morning and feeling good yeah yeah. Feels good though. Nice after a hot day uh, landscaping. Right. It does, right? <laughs> so oh, yeah. there, it's part of God's creation. I ruined it. That ship has sailed for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and if people are there, um, talk, reach out. And if you're watching over loved ones, get a thing like get get an AA book or get a life recovery or get something and leave it for them to to see. Mm-hmm. Nagging, yeah. by the way, won't help. Yeah. It just it, it ask questions. Right. How are you feeling? Like, don't don't you see when you come home? Like, aren't you worried about it? And, and if you need anything, then then we can do. It. But at some point, you have mm-hmm. to remove it from the home. Yeah, that's, right, right, that's right. Yeah, well, well, I think we're at the end here. So I was gonna, I was going to say we should do a couple bonus minutes on uh, <laughs> on uh, can ref URC relations. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I mean whatever. I got I got to chuck a leak here. So yeah, but you it's going to drink your whole water bottle. Oh, I can't leave whole, it like I've that. Been off, yeah. <laughs> I was going to drink it. So, yeah. yeah. So it's been yeah. a real, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, it's been a real blessing though. Have yeah. You on. Oh, yeah. Man. Thanks so much for sharing your story. And, and uh, yeah, again, people can go watch a little bit more about, uh, but I'm going to say this real quick. Sure. Don't you think that for, I know, I know we have some theological difference. We, we definitely have some ecclesiological differences. I can't remember. But generally speaking, we kind of have two problems. One is we're very close. Mm-hmm. Insular. Right. And the other thing is, I think we have a lot of the same subcultural benefits and problems. Mm. That that when rubber hits the road, we are struggling with pornography. We're struggling with booze. We're struggling with how do we do evangelism better? We're struggling with, are Christian schools great? Yeah, but how come... Are, are they protectionist or are we really training people to go out and do evangelism? Mm-hmm. It seems like at least here in Canada, we, we share the same problems. Right. And, and, and uh, maybe, maybe that's another way to attack some solution of unity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tim, Tim actually said the same thing. We're near the end of his uh, podcast with him. He said, you know, like, yeah. And he's a reformed Baptist and, you know, I think that's, uh, that's being, it's more and more our, our goal with this now is like, have uh yeah have discussions with wider christian community because we we need each other in a world that's moving the other way and that's been another thing with AA. i've I've met christians who really shocked my world rexdale in one week i met five different people six different people who had absolutely non-reformed conversion experiences and i came home my wife says what's wrong with you i said my um, soteriology is taking a kicking this week. <laughs> but what do you do when there's no true church in town and, and you live in the, in the, in the woods out in Peru? Right. Yep. And, yeah. And you have some Pentecostal bizarro experience. Well, how else would God convert you? It's true. We're hearing about dreams among Muslims and they're giving their life to Jesus Christ after. Crazy. Yeah. Did it happen or not? Happen? He moves in yeah. mysterious ways. Yeah. I know. Right. Yeah, really, so yeah. anyways, yeah, we, we you know, another yeah. time. Well, yeah, we thank you. Thank you for coming on. And, uh, for all our listeners, thanks for listening. It was beautiful to come out here too. Yeah, it's so nice to drive my car at speed. Yeah, so it was well worth it. All right, well, we'll catch you on the next one, folks. Thanks so much. Keep it on real conversations. Right on. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you want to contact us, just shoot us an email at reformedrealtalk at gmail.com. 
you want to find us online, go to realtalkpodcast.ca. If you're looking for us on social media or in your favorite podcast app, just search Reformed Real Talk and we should come up. Looking forward to your feedback because that's what helps us grow and improve as podcasters. This show was produced by myself, Lucas holt Tyler Vanderwood, and Tim Wynwoodward. The theme music was made by Calvin Hutton. The table and cabinet in the studio here were made by Ethan Vanderwood of Eureka Woods. And that's all the credits for now, folks. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were informed and inspired by this episode. Till next time. Bye-bye.